wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for July 12, 2018. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. It will be Friday, July 13th by the time you listen to this at the earliest, but technically, it's still Thursday as I record this, so, ha. But in all seriousness, though, we got plenty to get to here today from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, Ring of Honor, and New Japan News as of earlier today. Uh, We're talking Brock Lesnar at UFC 226, Extreme Rules on Sunday, And yeah, that was not the first thing I mentioned there, just because I really could not care less about that pay-per-view. But I will save my picks, previews, and predictions for the event until the end of the show. Um, But nonetheless, guys, if you want to check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio, you can do so. Not only on NextAirWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app. Rate the show. Review the show. Subscribe to the show. You not only get all the new episodes every single Thursday, you also get every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Nearly 250 shows, obviously for free of cost, um, but nearly five years worth of content right there on iTunes. And you can listen to any episode at any point, anytime, any place of your choosing, like a fucking Money in the Bank contract. So, What are you waiting for? Right now on iTunes, every episode ever of WrestleRant Radio. It is now easier than ever to listen to the show. And of course, for me, you can follow me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook, like the page at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews, and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash Matthews. So of course, I mentioned our Universal Champion Brock Lesnar allegedly at the start of the show. Um, Today does mark his birthday. I think he turns 41 today or something like that. Um, And I say allegedly just because we have not seen the Universal Champion on WWE in some time, on WWE TV in some time. He did make a televised appearance in the last week, just not for WWE, but rather at the UFC 226 pay-per-view last Saturday. Um, Brock Lesnar showed up during the main event, Daniel Cormier emerging victorious as the UFC heavyweight champion. Brock Lesnar confronted him afterwards, pretty much throwing down the gauntlet for a future fight between the two. It is all but confirmed that the two will fight for the UFC heavyweight championship at some point in 2019. Brock Lesnar has indeed rejoined the testing pool, and he still has six months uh, to serve out for a suspension from two years ago. So the earliest he can fight is whatever UFC pay-per-view is happening in January of 2019. But it's a pretty big fight. Daniel Cormier is also a wrestling fan. That does not mean he will be appearing on Raw to promote the fight. Why would he? I talked about this, I, I, I talked about this in hashtag AskGSM this past Wednesday on the YouTube channel. But UFC does not give two fucks about WWE. They really don't. Uh, there really is no real reason for them to advertise for them to showcase their top heavyweight champion on WWE programming because I doubt it would lead to more buys. UFC is an infinitely is a product that has infinitely more eyes on. I mean Raw just got its lowest rating in years on Monday night for a show that really was not all that good and for a show that has not been good for many months now. They gain nothing from having their UFC heavyweight champion on Monday Night Raw. So for anyone expecting or hoping fantasy booking Daniel Cormier jumping Raw or, you know, invading Raw to jump Brock Lesnar to kick off their big feud heading into UFC, whatever it might be, by January 2019, is full of themselves. It's not happening. Uh, The fight very well likely will happen. I don't expect WWE and UFC to start doing a crossover. 
Reportedly, Brock Lesnar, when he re-signed right after WrestleMania earlier this year, in the contract it stated, a lot like it stated in his last contract a few years ago, that he could fight for UFC if he wanted to, as long as WWE signed off on it, and obviously in this case they did. It is more exposure for them. I mean, obviously he was not being called the WWE Universal Champion at UFC 226 last Saturday. He wasn't showing up with that little red toy belt. Um, but still, Brock Lesnar, at the end of the day, is still under contract to WWE. So it's nice exposure for their top world champion, who should not be the top world champion right now um, on either Raw or SmackDown. We've talked about this ad nauseum in recent months. But Brock Lesnar currently should not be the universal champion. And it's bothersome that they have this guy who they talk up constantly as being this ever-dominant world champion and he never shows up on the show, yet the one week where he shows up in another promotion, kind of playing up the storyline where he doesn't give a fuck about WWE, he's looking to return to the UFC, he is persona non grata on Monday Night Raw. Reportedly, it was due to the fact that Vince McMahon was all about extreme rules that doesn't play into the pay-per-view on Sunday, so we can't mention Brock Lesnar. Like, they obviously missed the boat on that one. Because Brock Lesnar is now more relevant due to his appearance in UFC 226 than he has been in at least a year. And he has not mentioned a slight in the, in the slightest, one bit, not a single mention of the Universal Champion on Monday's Raw. Which, again, blows my mind. Um, they mentioned it on the website. They've been talking about it all over their social media. WWE has been. But on their biggest show, their flagship show, which, of course, again, did its lowest rating on Monday. So it's not exactly like they had their, um, you know, had this wide audience, this amazing, huge audience for Monday's show. You know, whatever. Um, but still, it would have helped if they acknowledged the fact that Brock Lesnar had showed up at UFC 226, kind of playing into the whole... Roman Reigns, what he's been saying recently about how Brock Lesnar doesn't care about WWE, which may indeed be the case. Um, but if there was any week to bring up Brock, it would have been this past week, and they didn't. So, again, this is kind of old news by this point. This happened last Saturday. It's almost Friday as I record this podcast. But still, it's something to look out for. Um, Brock Lesnar should absolutely, undoubtedly drop that Universal Championship at SummerSlam. I don't care if it's to Roman Reigns. Bobby Lashley, fucking James Ellsworth. We need to get that belt off of Brock ASAP. I know people were happy when he retained the title successfully at WrestleMania, like, oh, anything but Roman, anyone but Roman. But the thing is, WWE did not have a backup plan. When Roman didn't win the belt at WrestleMania or the greatest Royal Rumble, like that, that was it. It was really just merely to swerve the audience. And I don't buy for a single second that the real reason that they kept the belt on Brock was because they thought that Roman would be booed in winning the championship at WrestleMania. What the fuck did they think would happen at SummerSlam or the Greatest Royal Rumble? The reaction at both of those shows are not going to be much better than what it was at WrestleMania. If anything, in Barclays, it's going to be much worse. Now, obviously, they can take their out with Roman Reigns beating Brock, a story that we've seen a million times by this point that we really do not need to relive, but... They could, you know, go down the route of Roman beating Brock, and then Braun Strowman cashes in the contract, cashes in, beats Roman for the belt, and he's our new Universal Champion. Um, and that's all well and fine. I feel like it's way too predictable, but predictability is not always a bad thing. So that's one route to take in one direction they can go in. But still, I'm done with Roman and Brock. I really wish they would move on from it. I'll talk more about that in my Extreme Rules predictions at the end of the show, um, but Brock Lesnar showing up at U UFC 226 does make him one of the best businessmen in the, you know, in WWE right now, just because the guys know, the guy knows how to leverage a contract by showing up at other promotions, specifically the UFC, uh, for a guy that has said time and time again, I really have no desire to fight again, he continues to show up, likely knowing it would make for a big payday, um, so again, he's done this before, he did it back at UFC 2-0, whatever, um, you know, a few years ago, fighting Mark Hunt, winning, obviously a tainted victory in retrospect because of what had come out a few weeks after about him doping or doing steroids, whatever. Um, irregardless, you know, he had also done it back in 2015 before his contract expired, 
you know, right around WrestleMania 31 time, showing people that, hey, maybe he will fight again in UFC, which he didn't indeed end up doing years down the road. But again, the whole Brock Lesnar situation is a just one giant fucking mess. They need to take that title off the guy ASAP. Because him as universal champion is not benefiting anyone. Not him, not WWE, not anyone on the Raw roster. That's for sure. Now, I guess you could make the argument that someone eventually beating Brock would make for this huge moment. But at this point, no one fucking cares. We just need to get the belt off Brock now. It's long overstayed its welcome. Now, if they had Braun or Samoa Joe do it about a year ago, maybe then it would have packed a bigger punch. Samoa Joe beats Brock Lesnar. Hell of a moment. But even if Roman did it, I think even by WrestleMania, it had been way too long. Even if Brock lost to Roman Reigns back at WrestleMania 34, it would not have been this big moment that WWE was hoping for. Now, it could be a different story for Seth Rollins. Obviously, Rollins beating the Beast would be a huge moment just because Rollins is so fucking over right now, and I'll talk more about that in my Raw review. But even then, Brock as Universal Champion, holds no value. That championship he currently possesses holds no value because he has never been on TV. He has not had anything above an above-average match, anything above an, an average match since at least Survivor Series when he faced AJ Styles, but every other match he's had for the past year has been really lethargic, and it's time to move on because Raw is at an all-time low right now, Maybe not the worst it's ever been, but a Raw without a world champion really is not the best shape that it's been in in recent memory. It's time to move on from the whole Brock Lesnar thing and start anew with a universal champion on Monday Night Raw that will start wrestling and appearing regularly on the show. On a lighter note, um, WWE is apparently thinking of running an all-women show later on this year, which I'm very much looking forward to if this does indeed this does indeed uh, come to fruition. So this is from Pro Wrestling Sheet. They reported this a few days ago, I believe back on July 11th. Um, but this is in response to the fans complaining about the women not being featured, and rightfully so complaining, about the women not being featured on the greatest Royal Rumble event in Saudi Arabia a few months ago. Um, on that show, the women were you know nowhere a part of the show. They couldn't be a part of the show. Saudi Arabia is fucking 20 years in the past. Uh, maybe even further back than that, by not having women compete or you know appear on shows such of you know such as that. But whatever, it was a fucked up reason. Apparently, at the rumor at the time, it was that the women were compensated for not appearing at the show. You know, fans were also saying at the time, why not book a women's an all women's network special, or at the very least, an all women's house show at that point in time, uh, while the men were overseas in Saudi Arabia. Now that would have been a great idea. I'm not sure if all the WWE production went into solely the greatest Royal Rumble that weekend. They weren't going to do two network specials in the same weekend, let alone weeks removed from WrestleMania. That would have been overkill. The greatest Royal Rumble itself was fucking overkill. But again, nonetheless, it looks like we might be getting it at some point later on this year, which would be a great idea. Um, I don't know what the format would be, if it would be solely women from Raw and SmackDown. Now they have a deep enough roster on both shows. Now, even currently, we have plenty of feuds going on between Raw and SmackDown, between Bailey and Banks, Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. You have Ronda Rousey. You have Mickey James. You have Natalia. Over on the SmackDown side, you have, obviously, Carmella and Asuka, Naomi, Becky Lynch is racking up some victories, the iconic duo, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, uh, Naomi, I might have mentioned. So, again, there's plenty of women between both brands to justify doing an all-women's event. It would not even need to be, like, a three-hour pay-per-view. It could be a two-hour network special um, with, you know, maybe five or six matches, not having matches for the sake of having matches. You know, maybe a showcase match of having the NXT Women's Champion in action, Shayna Baszler, maybe she teams up with Ronda Rousey. Maybe bringing back some old faces from the past, some familiar faces from years past. A lot like the Women's Royal Rumble from earlier this year, that would be fine too. I think we got enough nostalgia in that match. We really do not need to replicate that in an all-women's special on the network later on this year. But again, they have options between NXT, Raw, SmackDown, and also bringing back some past names. I would be totally in favor of that. So I hear, you know, here's hoping it comes to fruition. I really do hope it does. I think it's a great idea. 
a great way to kind of make up for the travesty that was the greatest Royal Rumble with the women, uh, or without the women, rather, earlier on this year. And I do think the interest is there. Uh, I know, you know, they talk about the women's evolution, the, the Divas Revolution, what the fuck they're calling it this week. You know, they talk about that a lot. And in many ways, the company has not changed by featuring their women in a certain light. But at the same time, we have had multiple women's main events in the last couple of years, both on Raw and SmackDown. At this point, it's a regular thing. People don't really think twice about the women being featured and going on last on Raw and SmackDown, which is a great thing. We had the first ever women's Royal Rumble match in the main event of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view at the onset of 2018. So again, it could happen. I think it will happen. It's more a matter of when than if. And I think the timing is perfect. Right around the time that the Mae Young Classic wraps up, maybe they even have the finals at that network special. I would be totally on board with that. As long as, again, it's its own entity. And it's not taped after fucking SmackDown or before Raw. They do a real live show that people are buying tickets to see on the network for a two, three-hour pay-per-view. I don't see why that would not work. Um, on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday night, I think that would be perfect, especially now that we have less network specials. Um, there's only one pay-per-view a month, and we're not getting two Raw SmackDown pay-per-views a month anymore. I think it would be totally okay if they had some sort of women's and all-women's event on the network on some random September or Sunday night. I would be all for that idea completely. Speaking of the Mae Young Classic, uh, it was confirmed earlier on in the week that Caitlyn is returning for the 2018 Mae Young Classic. This is cool to hear. Um, I did talk about here on the show, I know there's a clip on the YouTube channel of me talking about it a few months ago. I don't know if it was late last year or earlier this year. It might have been a while ago. Um, but it was reported that WWE was looking to re-sign Caitlyn. Caitlyn was looking to return to the ring at some point. Uh, she'd been training. She'd been doing some, I think, some indie stuff, which is cool to hear. Uh, in the ring, Caitlyn was never like a Charlotte Flair. She was never the most amazing in the ring. Um, but she has always been, you know, you know, she got better towards the end. Caitlyn did debut on the third season of NXT, far from what it is today, of course. Uh, back when NXT was a fucking shit show in 2010. She was pretty bad then. She won the season. She won a contract. Um, she showed up on SmackDown, really had no momentum whatsoever. Didn't get a title shot. Really got nothing. She really just kind of floated around for a few years there before finally setting into a rivalry with AJ Lee, her former friend in storyline and also in real life. They had great chemistry together, um, having a solid string of matches for the Divas Championship back in 2013. Some of the best stuff with the women in many, many years by that point. And AJ really kind of elevated, elevated her, not only as a character, but also in the ring. Again, like I said, having a very good string of matches back in 2013. And then after that, she was gone. She was off TV after the feud with AJ wrapped up. Um, she just kind of did some matches here and there on WWE TV before leaving the company at the onset of 2014. Now, I think the idea was for her to do more in fashion, and she kind of moved on. She had other endeavors, and obviously that didn't really work out, so she, now she's going back to wrestling. So it's cool to see. Again, she was never the most amazing in the ring, but I was always a fan. And I think bringing her back for the Mayon Classic is perfect because it's not like Trish Stratus coming back where it should be heavily touted and advertised and all this other stuff. She's a former Divas champion. She's a former notable name from a certain era in WWE, their women's wrestling era. Um, so, you know, I think it's cool that she's being brought back for that, a lot like Serena Deeb was for last year's NYC. Uh, you know, she was brought back. She didn't win it. She might have been knocked out in the second round, but it was pretty cool to see Serena back, too, and now she's a trainer. So who knows what this might lead to for Caitlyn. I really have no desire to see her a part of the NXT women's division. You know, been there, done that. Maybe on the main roster, a lot like Mickey James, where Mickey James was brought back for a one-off back at TakeOver Toronto or Ontario, whatever the fuck it was. I think it was Toronto back in late 2016. And now, um, ever since then, Mickey James has been a full-fledged member of the WWE main roster. So maybe we could see something similar with Caitlyn. I'm not banking on it, but we'll see how she does in the May Young Classic later on this year. And one final note before we move on to my thoughts on Raw from Monday night. It was announced back on Thursday, just you know earlier today as I record this, that Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling are teaming up once again for a super show on April 6th of next year, the G1 Supercard. 
like you know, like the G1 from uh, from New Japan and the Super Card of Honor from Ring of Honor, they're delivering a blockbuster event from Madison Square Garden the night before WrestleMania 35, kind of taking the place of Super Card of Honor and whatever show New Japan usually does on those weekends, which I don't think they usually do because they only kind of tapped into the U.S. market a year or two ago, and from what I can remember, they've never done a pre-WrestleMania event, at least in the same host city as WrestleMania, so again, this is huge news, this is huge news, I know this was rumored a while ago, um, and then WWE kind of put the kibosh on it, and Ring of Honor said it's not happening, but apparently it is, and it's involving New Japan for a Ring of Honor versus uh, New Japan Super Show, and this is fucking awesome, now it's going to be going head-to-head with TakeOver, but based off what I was seeing on my Twitter timeline on Thursday night, it certainly seems like there is plenty of interest and a Ring of Honor New Japan Super Show the night before WrestleMania. So, TakeOver is going to have its work cut out for it. The biggest issue for me when it comes to this is that I'm going to have to decide between TakeOver and Ring of Honor's uh, New Japan uh, co-Super Show, whatever, their Super Show that WrestleMania weekend. They will be happening at the same time, two different venues. This will be at Madison Square Garden in Manhattan, and then TakeOver is happening at the Barclays. So, again, this is crazy. If I had to choose, I would go to, I mean, gun to head, it's really tough. Because the WrestleMania weekend takeover they produced this year was what I was hoping for last year. Because they went to the TakeOver Orlando show. Very good show. Easily the weakest takeover I've ever been to. It was still a fun show. Um, But that being said, it would depend on what the card is going to feature for next year's takeover. Now, you know, knowing WWE... They're going to stack the show as much as possible. That's what they did That's what they did for this year's show, and it delivered in a major way. It was the greatest takeover I've ever seen. But then again, Ring of Honor New Japan MSG might only be a one-time thing, so I look forward to it. It's, it's basically all in, too, is really what it is. So if I had to choose, I'm going to the Ring of Honor New Japan show. I've been to now two Ring of Honor shows, or three Ring of Honor shows, Super Card of Honor, not Super Card of Honor, the um, All-Star Extravaganza event from 2016, Final Battle 2017, and a Ring of Honor TV taping from last month. All were extremely entertaining events, um, but this would be on another level. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Again, hoping to get tickets. I'm not banking on it. You know, TakeOver is also going to be amazing, and it's, it's tough because tickets go on sale for this event like starting next month. And we won't know the card for TakeOver until, like, fucking February. So, again, it's tough. I really want Jason to come with me. He wants to go to TakeOver, but this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. So, time will tell. I can't go to both. Barclays, MSG. It's a subway right away, but I'm really not one to go to both. I would really either be at one or the other and not split my time between both shows. That would be ridiculous. Um, I would have to go to the Ring of Honor show. But TakeOver is always terrific as well. So, again, it, it's a toss-up. But I'm looking... This is a great problem to have, though. Really a great problem to have in the world of wrestling over WrestleMania weekend next April. So, from that, we talk about Monday Night Raw on Monday. The go-home show for Sunday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Which, again, as I mentioned earlier, I will be doing picks, previews, and predictions for the pay-per-view at the end of the episode. But for Monday is Raw, this really was a two-segment show. The opener and the ending segment, the main event, I thought were excellent. Everything else was really just kind of there for me. Uh, the opener saw Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley going at it on the mic before it broke out and went all out. Brawl, the entire Raw roster, piling out of the locker room to break these two up. We've seen it before with Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. We've seen it before with Roman Reigns and Triple H. We've seen it before with several feuds. But I thought it worked well here for a match I really could not have cared less about going into the event. I thought this did its job. I really did think this did this did its uh it served its purpose and getting me more excited for the match on Sunday than I was before. So again, good stuff here. Um was not the most exciting brawl I've ever seen. And again, there's really there's still nothing at stake in their match on Sunday. It's just a match. And it's not even being touted as, oh, you know, the first time ever. It's a dream match. It's it's really not. They're, they've just been taking digs at each other recently on Raw, and that's about it. Um, 
But again, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good match. But I thought this was a good way to kick off the show and make me more care more about the Roman Reigns-Bobby Lashley feud. We had women's tag team action after that with Nia Jax and Natalya taking on Alexa Bliss and Mickie James. Fine match. Nia Jax went over strong here by pinning Mickie James. Uh, got a better reaction here than she has in some time. They were in Boston for Raw on Monday, which RJ was in attendance for. So shout out to Mr. Marcel for having a great time at the show, even though it was not the most amazing episode watching from home. But uh, no, I thought this was fine. Nia Jax pinning Mickie James to build momentum ahead of Extreme Rules. They also teased some tension between Bliss and Nia Jax afterward with Alexa Bliss targeting Nia with a Signapore cane with a kendo stick. Um, Nia Jax retaliated, took the stick from her, and forcing Alexa to flee from the ring. So, smart move on Alexa's part. But I thought this was okay. Mojo Raleigh beating No Way Jose. Who could possibly give a shit? Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre interrupting Seth Rollins. Now, this really was nothing of note. The actual mic work was okay at best. Rollins talking about Drew McIntyre having sex with sheep or whatever the fuck it was. was dumb as hell. Um, And this did set up the main event. But even moreover than that, I did want to point this out. This is nothing new. This has been the case for months now. But Seth Rollins is so goddamn over. The reaction that he received here was deafening and it's been months since he really like not peaked but got popular starting at wrestlemania really dating back to that gauntlet match showing that he had on raw right before elimination chamber back in february ever since then rollins has been firing in all cylinders and even though he would go on to lose later on in the night against drew mcintyre it was the right result and rollins is like bulletproof right now so, again, I would really put Rollins in that Universal Championship picture. Like, people really want to see it. I'm not banking on it, again, but I think the time has come, I think the time has come to feature Rollins more prominently on Monday Night Raw. Bo Dallas beat Woken Matt Hardy, uh, one week removed from Matt Hardy losing to Curtis Axel on Raw. Another nothing match. I really could not have cared less about this. Uh, there was nothing all that exciting about it at all. It was just kind of there. Bo Dallas won to maintain momentum for the B-Tim ahead of Extreme Rules. Moving on. Amber Moon facing off in a rematch against Liv Morgan. For what reason, I have no idea other than to just, other than to just kill television time. Um, but it was okay, though. Ember Moon winning once again decisively via a roll-up. Um, Liv Morgan's gotten a lot better, but Ember Moon is just a star. She really, for whatever reason, comes across better on the main roster than she ever did in NXT. Now, minded... You know, mind you, we never really got a full-fledged video package on Ember. I'm kind of introducing us to who she is and what she's all about. And that's fine. She's more of an enigma than anything, which I can appreciate for right now. But eventually she will need some real character development. She didn't get it here. She hasn't gotten it yet. Um, But Ember Moon's a real star. She can be an absolute valuable aspect, or prospect rather, to have in that raw women's division. She is that good. Baron Corbin teaming up with Elias to take on Bobby Roode and Finn Balor. It was a fun match. It had a fun pace to it, especially in the second half. But again, this is a match that was difficult to care about on paper. The Corbin-Balor feud has done nothing for me so far. Finn Balor, or Bobby Roode rather, and Elias are extremely directionless, even worse. Um, Corbin and Balor are fighting on Sunday in a match that I will likely skip over because I just don't care. Bobby Roode needs to go heel, and they find they need to desperately find something for Elias to sink his teeth into. Because just sitting around and catering, playing songs, despite how over he is right now, is beyond stupid. Because he is way better than that. Um, Finn Balor is anyway. Baron Corbin is fucking just kind of there right now. Bobby Roode is, should be heel. Like I said, this is just a waste of time. Elias deserves better. Finn Balor deserves better. Bobby Roode deserves better. Baron Corbin is really where he kind of should be at this point. But the whole Constable Corbin thing is wearing thin on me. Is wearing thin on me real quick. And then the main event, as I mentioned earlier, Drew McIntyre beating Seth Rollins. Now the caveat here was that if Rollins beat McIntyre, McIntyre would be banned from ringside for the Intercontinental Championship 30-man Ironman match um, coming up in a few days. But didn't end up mattering. Drew McIntyre beat uh, Seth Rollins 
clean, not clean because Ziggler interfered, but it was a big win for McIntyre. It was very apparent that officials see big things in McIntyre if they had him go over here. Because otherwise, you know, he would not have won. Not many people can say they have beaten Rollins clean, and especially since he got hot back earlier this year. Not many people have beat Rollins, let alone in relatively clean fashion. So that in and of itself is an impressive feat from Drew McIntyre. And as I've said before, the guy's an absolute star. Um, I would hope that they'll protect him, not fuck him up, not ruin him. But so far, so good with Drew McIntyre. The guy is awesome, and they had a great match. McIntyre and Rollins actually once faced off for the NXT Championship. Not for the title itself, but it was a part of the NXT Championship Tournament. A belt that was vacant at that point because they just created it. Rollins and McIntyre faced off on a random episode of NXT TV, I think almost exactly five years ago. And on that night, McIntyre won the first match. Rollins got his win back soon after and beat him. Um, but this was, uh, you know, this was good stuff. I thought this was a real good match from them on Monday night. And hopefully it's not too far down the road that we will see a one-on-one, you know, match or feud rather between McIntyre and Rollins, you know, possibly as soon as SummerSlam and possibly for that intercontinental championship. We transitioned into SmackDown on Tuesday night. Um, good show from the blue brand. We kicked off with the, the evening with Miz TV, with the Miz host in the segment with Team Hell No, basically just kind of, uh, you know, piping up the tag team title match for Sunday's pay-per-view between the Bludgeon Brothers and Team Hell No. They bickered once again, but largely they stayed on the same page. The Miz was great here in his role and just antagonizing um, Daniel Bryan and Kane, but specifically Bryan given their bad blood from recent years, but... Anyway, I thought it was a good segment. Descended into chaos real quick once Sanity came down to lay out um, the number one contenders, Team Hell No. The Bludgeon Brothers came out. We had the New Day come out, setting up a blockbuster 10-man tag team match for later on in the night in the main event. We had AJ Styles rekindling a rivalry that we have not seen in some time. I say that with sarcasm. With Shinsuke Nakamura, the two had a pretty good match. Ended in a DQ once Nakamura got himself DQ'd. Uh, Rusev made the save for Nakamura. Jeff Hardy made the save for AJ Styles. <laughs> Boom, we got a tag team match, playa. Rusev and Nakamura beating Hardy and Styles, a tag team I never knew I wanted until now. Um, Hardy and Styles worked well together. But in the end, it was not enough. Where Oscar, or, uh, Rusev, rather, I'm looking at the next result already. Rusev and Nakamura going over in decisive fashion with Rusev pinning Jeff Hardy. I don't think he's winning on Sunday, spoiler alert, but I'm glad they are protecting him nonetheless and giving him credible victories week after week after week. In a Lumberjack match, the Battle of the Sexes Part 2, as WWE was very uh, slyly, uh, you know, you know, sneakily trying to sneak in there um, with the Battle of the Sexes between Asuka and James Ellsworth. Like, who gives a shit, but... Whatever. Um, the tag team match was good. This was this was okay. I really did not give a shit about it. Um, but it was all right. Oscar went over, and that was all that mattered. Andrade Cien Almas. He could take his face off the milk carton because he has finally resurfaced on SmackDown, making short work of Sin Cara. I guess they were just waiting for Sin Cara to be clear to compete. Um, I don't know what's going on there, or was going on there, but he's back. And he had a nice little match here with Andrade Cien Almas. So a good showing here from the former NXT champion. What's next? You know, I would hope a feud with either Jeff Hardy or Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles. You know, anyone along those lines. Um, I think Andrade really needs a proper star. A certain star to showcase his skills against. I don't think that'll come much in a feud with Sin Cara, a guy that people just don't care about anyway. Um, But, you know, there are a few people on SmackDown that he could feud with, have great matches with. And it's more a matter of timing than anything. Um, but anyway, I thought that was a uh, good match from Andrade and Sin Cara. The timing is everything with Andrade. Because if Brian's free, Andrade and um, Andrade and Brian for a SummerSlam feud, I thought would be, I think would be absolutely perfect. And maybe almost wins and sends Brian on his way. Because as of right now, I do not think he has re-signed with WWE, even though he's, you know, his contract is coming up quick. It expires, uh, I think, in early September, if not September 1st. I don't think Daniel Bryan will be all in, as the kids say nowadays. 
But it will be interesting to see how the whole situation plays out over the next two months. Um, but anyway, we got to the main event, Team Hell No and The New Day, beating the Bludgeon Brothers and Sanity. Sanity's main roster booking so far has been questionable to say the least. Now, I know I talked about this two weeks ago here in the show, um, but when they first showed up, they debut, they lay out the Usos, good start, and then two weeks ago, they had a six-man tag team match. I mean, Eric Young faced Jeff Hardy, then they had a six-man tag team match with the Sanity group taking on Hardy and the Usos. Sanity lost decisively and clean, which I talked about here on the show, like, why the fuck would you do that? Last week, they lay out the New Day in a good attack. This week, they lose again with Daniel Bryan forcing Eric Young to tap out, so, or pinning him, whatever. Um, so again, Sanity's main roster booking has been good, bad, good, bad, so inconsistent. So hopefully they can fix that on Sunday with a win for them and the Extreme Rules kickoff show in the tables match. Again, I'll talk more about that later, but it, it wasn't like a damaging loss because it was a multi-man tag team match on Tuesday. They weren't going to have Harper or Rowan get pinned because they are the Bludgeon Brothers. They're undefeated and they've been undefeated for months. Sanity's went undefeated for not at all. They actually did lost their first match on the main roster two weeks ago. So whatever, but it was a good match though. Uh, real quick on 205 Live on Tuesday night, we had Kalisto taking on Tony Nese one-on-one. Kalisto winning by DQ and what was a good match. Setting up what I would assume to be a Lucha House Party versus Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy tag team match at some point. Leo Rush wrestling a second match on 205 Live against none other than Colin Delaney, or favorite jobber in WWE history, at least one of my favorite jobbers in WWE history. Um, good showing here once again from Leo Rush. The guy got on the mic afterwards, trash-talking Akira Tozawa. He and Tozawa will face off one-on-one next week um, at the per request of the GM Drake Maverick, so that should be a great match. And also next week, I think we're getting some sort of other match that I can't remember what it was, but we are getting some other match next week as well that was advertised. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. But in the main event of this show, we had for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, Cedric Alexander taking on Hideo Itami. Um, not the best Cruiserweight Championship match, probably one of the weaker ones that I've seen uh, from Alexander recently, but it was still a very good match. That's not to say it was bad, but just not as good as Alexander and Mustafa Ali are as good as Alexander and uh, Buddy Murphy. Itami is odd just because the guy is great, and we saw that towards the end of his NXT run in matches with Cassius Ono and Aleister Black. I don't know, on 205 Live, he's had some good matches, but he hasn't been allowed to go all out. Now, turning him heel was the right move because he is a lot better as a heel, but ever since they took away the GTS, he kind of feels like he's spinning his wheels, that he's a shell of his former self, so I don't know what's going on there. Hopefully, at some point, they can just kind of let him loose, but for the time being, he's just kind of just, just kind of there, which is weird, but this was a good match, though. Um, Atami had a good showing. Alexander emerging victorious, still the cruiserweight champion. NXT, I thought of the show of the week this past week. Um, a very short, simple, effective, straightforward show. We had three matches, and yeah, just three matches in an hour-long show. It was perfect. The opener saw the NXT North American champion Adam Cole, baby, take on Danny Burch in non-title action. Um, a good match that went a while. Cole winning decisively. Birch got in more offense than I thought he would, but it was still a good match. Nonetheless, good, refreshing, clean victory for the heel Adam Cole. Carrie Zane defeating Vanessa Bourne, who continues to improve. Bourne, Bourne never really impressed me from the get-go, but she's slowly but surely getting better, which is cool. Um, in the ring, her presence. She comes across as more comfortable every, every, you know, every other time I see her, which is cool. But yeah, she had a good match here. Carrie Zane um, having her hand raised by the end, and afterwards announcing in a promo that she has her sights set on becoming the next number one contender of the NXT North uh, North American Championship, the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, her, Candice LeRae, Nikki Cross, and Bianca Belair will face off in a fatal four-way next week to determine Shayna, ba- uh, Shayna Baszler's next challenger for the championship, likely at TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Um, and in two weeks, we got Aleister Black taking on Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship. Um, they had an encounter. I mean, Aleister Black was supposed to appear on the show. Ciampa ambushed them beforehand backstage. So that laid out, that, that prevented that from happening. But a good attack, though. Ciampa is one of, if not the best heel in the business today, in my opinion. Then you get to the main event for the NXT Tag Team titles. 
Mustache Mountain, Styler Baitinger in seven, taking on the Undisputed Heirs, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, in a rematch from the NXT UK Championship Special a few weeks ago. Another excellent match between these two tag teams. Even better than the first, I would say. They told a great story here. Now, it was all action from start to finish, but they told a stellar story here with um, Undisputed Air focusing in on the knee of Trent Seven, which I think was injured during the last match a few weeks ago. So they went back to that story, and um, that, that worked into the finish here with Trent Seven had, having his knee beat down and beat down and beat down. They were focusing in on that knee, and before long, he did not tap out Tyler Bate in an interesting finish here. My computer just went off. I apologize. In an interesting finish here, um, threw in the towel. So he throws in the towel, thus therefore relinquishing the NXT Tag Team titles in the in the in the process. And we have new NXT Tag Team Champions. Um, Undisputed Era have the belts back. Kyle O'Reilly and um, uh, I almost said Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong are golden once again. Undisputed Era back on top of NXT. But this was an absolute must-see main event that you definitely need to go out of your way to watch. Um, it was that good. And all, both teams are, you know, all four guys worked very well together. And the match was just amazing. So, again, great stuff from NXT this week. Uh, the build to take over Brooklyn 4 is already off to a strong start. I cannot wait to be at that show next month. Should be a fun time. Um, and NXT just continues to find ways to entertain me every single week with at least one must-see match. And this was no different. We get to Extreme Rules on Sunday. My picks, preview, and predictions for the pay-per-view. Here we go. Um, coming to you live from, where are they, Maryland? Oh, Pittsburgh. They were in Maryland a couple years ago. I don't know why it's in Maryland, but um, I think the most recent Ring of Honor Best in the World pay-per-view was in Maryland. That's why I said that. But, yeah, they will be in Pittsburgh for the pay-per-view on Sunday. On the kickoff show, we have the New Day versus Sanity in a tables match. Um, I mentioned earlier that Sanity's main roster booking has been very inconsistent so far, to say the least. So I'm hoping they can bounce back here after losing on Tuesday's SmackDown in that 10-man tag team match. I don't see why they should lose. The New Day really has nothing to gain, especially now that all three members are kind of breaking off on their own, doing their own thing in singles competition. Kofi Kingston was in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Big E competed in that WWE Championship number one contenders gauntlet match a few weeks ago. There really is no reason for them to go over here. So Sanity, I would assume, will win here, and New Day does not have to be pinned. So I have Sanity going over there. For the Raw Tag Team titles, Woken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt finally defend their championships on pay-per-view um, against the B team. Uh, yeah, you know, the match itself I really could not care less about, to be completely honest with you. Um, I like Woken Matt. I like Bray Wyatt. I like the act. But as I've said before here on the show, this feud with the B team has done absolutely nothing for me. It's just kind of there. It really just kind of exists. And I'm kind of... Uh, Kind of pissed off that it lasted as long as it did. This really should have been a spot for the Revival or McIntyre and Ziggler or the Authors of Pain. The B team really have no value whatsoever as tag team champions or as tag team championship contenders. Um, I mean, I guess the B team could pull it off, but they've been winning at every turn over the last couple of months. I would assume that was done just to position them as threats to the tag team title. So I do have Woken, Matt, and Bray Wyatt going over here. <clears throat> before they eventually, I would assume, drop the belts to the Authors of Pain in the not-so-distant future. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, we have Carmella taking on Asuka in a match and a rematch from Money in the Bank, but this time, James Ellsworth will be hanging high above the ring in a shark cage. So there is that. Um, I gotta have Carmella go over here. I like Asuka, but this feud has sucked. This feud has really done nothing... To change my opinion on Carmella as SmackDown Women's Champion, Asuka feels, I don't know, she feels just far inferior to what she once was before WrestleMania. And the undefeated streak has a little to do with that, but just their overall presence and badass booking, she hasn't really had that since coming over to SmackDown for whatever reason. Um, the match could be okay. We see the shark cage used a lot in WWE nowadays. We had it for um, TakeOver a few years ago. We had it for... Uh, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens back at Royal Rumble 2017. We had it at SummerSlam last year with Enzo Amore uh, and Big Show versus Big Cass. Maybe one other time too, but yeah, it's been done to death over the last couple of years. So I'm really kind of sick of the stipulation, but whatever. Um, the match should be okay. I have Carmella do retain the title. 
walking out as still the SmackDown Women's Champion, probably going to SummerSlam to face Becky Lynch, who I would give that bill to at that pay-per-view. Finn Balor taking on Baron Corbin. Another match I really could not give two shits about. Nothing on the line. No stipulation. Who cares? I like Finn Balor. I like Baron Corbin. I know it's a fresh feud, technically. But still, I don't think the match will be all too good. They are heavily pushing Baron Corbin here, so I'm going to assume that he wins. Finn Balor winning really would not mean that much anyway. Baron Corbin winning would really not mean that much anyway, so... It honestly doesn't even really matter who wins. Um, I would have Balor go over, but for whatever reason, since they're pushing Constable Corbin, I assume he goes over because fuck it, why the hell not? But yeah, I got Baron Corbin winning there. For the Raw Women's Championship, an Extreme Rules match between Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. Um, I hope they can have a better match than they did at WrestleMania in Backlash. Um, I hope the stipulation can allow for that. We'll see. But um, Alexa Bliss has to go over. Um, there's really no reason to get the belt back on Nia Jax because it really renders the events of Money in the Bank completely irrelevant. Unless they wanted to do a three-way at SummerSlam with Jax, Rousey, and Bliss. But then, I don't know, it, it would just seem weird. Because at least in this, in, in that case, Alexa Bliss would have a rematch clause. NG can cash in at SummerSlam and then Ronda Rousey still has her issues with Bliss and Jax. Um, but playing hot potato with the belt really does nothing for me. So I would keep it on Bliss. And that, therefore, setting up Bliss and Ronda Rousey one-on-one for SummerSlam next month. For the United States Championship, you have Jeff Hardy versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, This seems pretty obvious to me that Nakamura is going over. Hardy retaining is not a bad thing at all. I've enjoyed his reign, for the most part, as United States Champion. They haven't done a ton with him with the title. Um, But, you know, he had the open challenge thing facing The Miz and Eric Young and a few others. Randy Orton, he's beaten. Jinder Mahal, he's beaten and a few others with that championship up for grabs. Um, I would have him I would have him drop the belt here because Nakamura needs it more than Hardy does at this point. After losing AJ Styles God knows how many times, it's time to, you know, finally give the guy, throw the guy a bone in the form of the United States Championship. And Jeff Hardy would be just fine. The only real reason I'd keep the belt on Hardy is because you have Andrade Sin Almas, who I talked about earlier, could be a great contender for that championship at any point. So Hardy and Almas would be a great feud, but then, again, what do you do with Nakamura? So Nakamura, I feel like he needs the win here, and I think he will. Nakamura, your new United States champion. A 30-minute Ironman match for the Intercontinental Championship between Dolph Ziggler, the current champion, and Seth Rollins. This should be the match that steals the show. I have no doubt about that. Their last two matches were tremendous. Give him 30 minutes, put it on the clock. I'm sure this will be amazing. Um, The thing here with Rollins is that one of two things happens. He either gets put in the main event scene and goes back after the Universal Championship, or he regains the IC title. And I think that one is more likely, just because Ziggler is IC champion, really really never felt like a good fit. And Drew McIntyre did pin Rollins on Monday. So if Rollins wins back the belt here, you have Ziggler, who has his rematch, and McIntyre, who owns a victory over Rollins, and therefore setting up a three-way for SummerSlam, and that can kind of uh, plant the seeds of dissension between McIntyre and Ziggler if they wanted to go that route. But yeah, so I'm going to say if Rollins regains the gold here. I know that might not be the uh, the you know the, the the safest bet. I think a lot of people expect you know Ziggler to hold on to the belt and have a long reign with the championship. I don't see that being the case. I really don't. I think Rollins gets the belt back. Um, we do the three-way for the feud, and maybe he drops it to McIntyre there. I'm not sure, just, I don't really know where else you can go with Ziggler as Intercontinental Champion if he's not facing Drew McIntyre at the next pay-per-view. Like, what mid-card, I mean, I guess you could do Ziggler and Balor, that's one idea, but, I don't know, I felt like Rollins was doing a lot more for that championship than Ziggler currently is, who hasn't been bad, but I think Rollins would be a much better fit for that championship than Ziggler. Um, So I would put the belt on Rollins, again, purely my opinion, but that's just what I would do, and then from there, do Rollins. Ziggler and McIntyre in a three-way for the belt at SummerSlam. McIntyre can't interfere here because when McIntyre beat Rollins on Monday, that gave him the right to stand at ringside for their match. So I would assume that's going to play into the finish somehow. I think a lot of people think, oh, he's going to cost Rollins the championship. No, I think it might be the opposite. Not intentionally anyway, but it could be a case where he unintentionally uh, cost Ziggler the title. Therefore, I mean, again, teasing tension, setting up the three-way for SummerSlam. So... Again, that's what I would do. I, You know, in a perfect world, I'd have Rollins face Brock Lesnar for the belt at SummerSlam, but 
as I mentioned earlier, I really just do not see that being the case at all, unfortunately. Um, but again, this match should be amazing nonetheless. For this SmackDown Tag Team titles, the Bludgeon Brothers taking on the reunited Team Hell No. Um, the Team Hell No stuff has been fun while it lasted, while it has lasted. But it's time to wrap it up and move on to something bigger and better for Daniel Bryan. The Big Cat stuff was fine. Not that good, kind of pointless, but it was fine. Um, this has been entertaining. But Bryan really has no business being in the SmackDown Tag Team division. He should be competing among the main event talent in WWE. It really makes no sense to have him going for the tag team titles when you have, you know, Nakamura, AJ Styles, The Miz, Andrade, Samoa Joe, all waiting in the wings for a singles feud uh, with a guy like Daniel Bryan. So I would not have them win the belts here. I mean, there is, you know, there is always the possibility that The Miz cost them the championship after what we saw on Tuesday. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility for them setting up The Miz and Bryan for SummerSlam. But then again, The Miz, I don't think, will even be there. He's got to throw out a pitch someplace else. So he won't even be in in Pittsburgh for the pay-per-view. So I doubt he's going to get involved here, maybe on the subsequent SmackDown on Tuesday. But yeah, either way, I do not see Team Hell No, and I don't think they should leave Pittsburgh as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. The Bludgeon Brothers, I don't know who else they could face. Maybe Sanity. They really have not made the biggest threat out of them. but Or The Bar, maybe. We haven't seen them in a while. I'm not sure where they what they've been doing. Um, but yeah, I don't think Team Hell No should be the team to take the titles off of them just because Brian, if he really, if his contract really is coming up near, it's coming up, uh, you know, quickly, um, at the beginning of September, as I talked about earlier, they should not be wasting him in tag team title feuds. Again, they should be doing, and not, I'm not saying like wasting dream matches with him every single week on TV, but he really should be a bigger player on SmackDown than he currently feels like. Now, I know he's been in the main event of SmackDown for the past three or four weeks, but again, I think Brian deserves better than what he's been given um, over the past month. But purely my opinion. The Team Hell No stuff is fine. Kane is fine in the tag team. But it's really just bad timing. I think any other time it would have been fine to the last thing for a little while. But Brian, as his contract comes up in a few months, really, really should be at the top of the card and not competing for the tag team titles. In a steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens... Um, another match where there is absolutely nothing on the line here, so therefore, why the fuck should anyone care? Um, I like Kevin Owens. I like Braun Strowman. Their feud has been entertaining at points, but I'm not even really sure what Owens has done to justify the the bullying that's been done by Braun to Kevin over the last couple of weeks. He wanted to be his friend, and that was really about it. Owens never really did anything heelish, so I don't know what's going on there. Um, but, I mean, again, it could be a fine match. Plays the Kevin Owens character perfectly because he always wants to escape Ron Strowman. Now he can't escape inside the steel cage, um, so it works out perfectly. But again, there's nothing on the line here. I'm not saying the money to make briefcase should be up for grabs, but I don't know. Really, the feud does not feel hot enough to justify a steel cage stipulation. That's just, again, my opinion. But it's just kind of there. I assume Strowman wins. Owens really needs heat right now. I mean, the guy will always be over because people love Kevin Owens. But he hardly feels like the top heel for, for Raw right now, which he is by default because Brock Lesnar is never around. Ginger Mahal, they tried that. It failed. They took him off TV immediately. I guess Ziggler might be, technically. Um, but Kevin Owens realistically should be. And he's not because the guy's booked like a fucking loser. So I don't know what they're doing with Kevin Owens right now. but And I don't think it changes here. I do think he loses, with, uh, he loses to Braun Strowman in the steel cage match, and then Braun can go on to cash in his contract at SummerSlam over Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, or whoever the fuck wins the championship by that point. They need to get that belt on Braun ASAP and not waste any more time with him as, you know, as Mr. Money in the Bank. I know it's been only a month, but Brock Lesnar is champion, as we talked about at the start of the show, wore thin almost a year ago. So it's really high time we get that belt on Braun Strowman. For the WWE Championship, now notice I did not save this for last because I do not think it's going to be the main event. I would be shocked if it was. I don't think it will be. Um, AJ really should be positioned higher as the guy in WWE, but he's just a second, he's just a second rate star. He's not, you know, realistically, but the way they position him on these pay-per-views, the guy is the, the co-main event, the, the match below the main event. He has not main event at a pay-per-view since SmackDown's Fastlane event back in March or February. I think it was March. He has not main event at a pay-per-view since then, which is not good. 
So, again, I don't know what they're going for here with um, AJ and whatever, but regardless, um, I think the match will be good. I think AJ does hold on to the gold. There's really no reason to take that belt off of him before SummerSlam. Uh, I think Rusev, we all kind of figured from the start, would be a filler feud for AJ, which is fine. I think he's done well on the role. Um, it's been a fresh feud. They work well together. I'm sure the match will be really, really good. If anything, this will be more of an opportunity for Rusev to prove that he belongs at the top of the card and maybe get more world title opportunities down the road. Um, but yeah, I do have AJ going over, still the WWE champion ahead of SummerSlam. Who he faces at that pay-per-view, I have no clue. I would say probably Samoa Joe, but that's my best guess. That would uh, I would assume that's why Joe's not on this pay-per-view um, because they're holding out for him to go for the championship at um, SummerSlam. So, yeah, the match should be good. I do have AJ winning by a large... I think that, that might be the most predictable match in the entire show, um, is AJ beating Rusev. Rusev winning would be a great moment, but I'm not really sure if the timing is best for Rusev to win the belt right now. I mean, the guy is great. He's really, really over, but Rusev versus anyone at SummerSlam is not like a money match to me. Um, but anyway, I think this will be a good match nonetheless with AJ going over. And then we get to the main event. Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley for the first time ever. Another match that many people find hard to care about because there is nothing on the line. Now, the assumption is that the winner here will likely earn a shot at the Universal Championship next month at SummerSlam. But again, that is yet to be confirmed. We had the Multiman match in place at one point for the pay-per-view, and then they kind of fucked that up, and they said, oh no, Brock's not going to be at SummerSlam, so that won't be happening. Even though he very likely will be, I don't know why he wouldn't be. If he had, Even if he has a Certain amount of dates left on his con on, on his contract for WWE. Why wouldn't they use him at their biggest one of their biggest pay per views of the year? That's silly to me. But regardless, um, I think Roman Reigns. I think he might be the fan favorite here, just for the sake of being bold. I'm gonna say Bobby Lashley. I'm gonna say Bobby Lashley goes over, um, and then goes on to face Brock. I think Roman. You know, I'm gonna say it's too predictable, obviously, but. Been there, done that. I don't, you know, I know that the direction they're going in is Roman versus Brock, but if they really want to swerve people, they have Bobby go over. That might not be that much better of a choice because Bobby has not really been lighting the world on fire since he came back to the company a few months ago. I get that. But I would take Bobby over Roman in the world title picture any day of the week at this point because Roman and Brock has been done to fucking death, and I really have no interest in seeing another match. At least the crowd might be more receptive towards Bobby taking on Brock than fucking Roman for the millionth time. So, again, um, you know, it, it should be a good match. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be either really hit or miss with Roman and Bobby. Um, I'm going to say Bobby goes over there again for the sake of being bold, and then we get Bobby and Brock, a match I've really wanted to see for a while now. At this point, not so much, just because they booked Bobby like a fucking lo not loser, but, I don't know, like a cartoon character sometimes, but... um. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what you do with Roman Reigns in that case. He's already faced Braun a bunch of times. He's already faced Kevin Owens a bunch of times. But then again, if Roman wins, what do you do with Bobby Lashley? Like, both of these guys, I don't really know where either of them go from here. I guess you could do a fuck finish and have both guys go for the belt at SummerSlam. But, again, um, I think that might be more likely than Roman and Brock one-on-one, -on -one just because it's something different, finally. To an extent. I mean, I know Roman's still involved, but... You know, and, and also if they wanted to have Roman pin Bobby without pinning Brock, I guess that's a thing too. You know, a lot like uh, WrestleMania 31 with Rollins cashed in and he pinned Roman and not Brock and Brock lost the championship despite never being pinned. I thought that was a great finish then. At this point, it really does not matter if Brock gets pinned or not because I don't think anyone really cares. The guy's been away for so long, it's just time to move on from him as Universal Champion. So I would take a three-way between Roman, Bobby, and Brock. I don't think we're getting that. Um, but again, you know, everyone's saying Roman, I thought Roman too, but just for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with Bobby Lashley beating Roman Reigns in the main event of the Extreme Rules pay-per-view this Sunday. So overall, it should be a solid show. Uh, my expectations are not too high at all. I will not be watching the pay-per-view live. I got a graduation party to go to. So I will be watching it the next day with Jason at his place. So I'll get my thoughts up on the event, my written review up on nextairwrestling.net late Monday, probably around Raw time, so stay tuned for that, um, but nevertheless, thank you guys for checking out the show, as always, hope you guys enjoy Extreme Rules on Sunday, I'm gonna try, again, with so many matches, it's a four-hour pay-per-view, ugh, like, less is more with these people, less is more, and I don't think WWE tends to realize that, but it is what it is, um, I look forward to some matches on the show more than others, 
But um, again, my thoughts on the show will be up in written form on nextairwrestling.net on Monday. And we'll have a full breakdown of the pay-per-view next Thursday right here on WrestleRant Radio. So speaking of which, guys, new episodes of the show are available every single Thursday right here on iTunes as well as nextairwrestling.net. If you want to subscribe to the show, simply search up WrestleRant Radio on Apple Podcasts, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You not only get every new episode on Thursdays, immediately download it to your device. I know it went up on Friday today, but usually it's Thursdays. Um... You not only get every new episode every single Thursday, or Friday, I guess, in this case, you also get all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. So get on it, watch the show, or listen to the show, I must have watched the show, it's all audio. Uh, subscribe to the show, download it today, and let me know what you think on the Twitter machine, at WrestleRant, at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and on YouTube as well, at YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Matthews. So... Anyway, guys, thank you for checking out the show. As always, have a great rest of your week slash weekend. Enjoy the Extreme Rolls pay-per-view, or at least try to. And I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs>